This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. It's been a minute, but we are still mm-hmm. sponsored. AC, we are still sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood. Freeforums.net. It is the best Duke fans online presence that you can go to. If you want to talk about recruiting, which we'll talk about here. If you want to talk about the current team, which we're going to talk about here. If you want to talk about teams in the past, which we often talk about here. Absolutely. From a historical perspective, this is the online place to go to. It's the perfect supplement to this podcast. Again, dukeblubrotherhood.freeforums.net. Go check it out. AC and I are both there on the regular daily. Um, It's been... Surprisingly, uh, surprisingly active considering there's like no sports, no real news. You know what I mean? Like it's been it's been a really good place to to just kind of unwind and talk sports and talk talk Duke basketball primarily because you know that's that's what it is. So it's been great, man. Yeah, and so speaking of which, we have been off for a little bit here. Um, I mean, I can't believe we haven't been in the saddle this long, but Dude. we did we did wrap up our last podcast talking about 2021 recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, you know what you forgot to ask. You forgot to ask me what I'm what I'm drinking on right now, man. <laughs> I would like to get another sponsorship, so I'm going to tell you what I got. <laughs> I got a, I got I got a Breckenridge, uh, the high proof blend, man. 100, 105 proof. This stuff is delicious. Woo. If I should say, do say so myself, man. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll be driving this podcast then. Uh, like usual, man. Like usual. Yeah, you get you get me a passenger side. I'll drive us uh, the the rest of the way here. But uh, that sounds actually pretty good. It's amazing, uh, I dude. Have, I just have a a Coca Cola Classic here, so I'm okay. not. You know, one of us has to drive this podcast, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm, going to be mm-hmm. me this week. Um, Absolutely. But that does sound pretty good. Maybe I'll do that after the podcast there you is go. over. There um, you go. So we do have a special guest uh, again. We're going to bring in, uh, Andrew Dubanowitz from the formerly known uh, Duke Wave. Instagram page, uh, over 50,000 Duke fans there. Uh, they, they changed up the name. I'm going to ask them about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk to him about uh, some, some fun topics, like his favorite uh, Duke National Championship team, and then you know one of his favorite uh, teams that didn't, didn't cut down the nuts. But yep. like I alluded to earlier, when we last got together at AC, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about recruiting to end that Man. podcast. And you talked to this, that was your show. That was, you were... <laughs> the wheel on that one um and i have to think that you know maybe you have that stiff drink because your dream class you said it at the end there may mm-hmm. not be coming to fruition yeah um you know christy is uh, now going to uh michigan state he's yep. looked at as probably the best shooter um we talked about uh chandler the the point guard mm-hmm. he looked like he might be going to, to tennessee now yeah uh, <laughs> You know, you see yep. a package deal with Banchero. Uh, right, so right. Him. We also talked about, uh, you know, Trevor Keels. And while I think that there is mutual interest there uh, and, and he does like Duke, it sounds like we're kind of mm-hmm. third in that race behind mm-hmm. uh, Villanova in Virginia. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to give you the floor here again. Tell us about the 21 class. Tell us what you see now that a few things have changed. It's really the only thing that's changed. Uh, in the world of uh, uh, of high school or college hoops, right. for 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 the most part. Yeah, they, I think they had. I think there's like one high school AAU type event like two weeks ago, and that's been it, man. But yeah, no, this is uh, it 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 sounds worse than it the news actually is because I think 
it, this is all based on what's happening around us in the world today between COVID, between, you know, you, you saw, um, you saw uh, Thon Maker's brother, uh, Maker Maker, uh, announced that he's going to Howard, you know, shouts out to Tyler Thornton there. But um, th- this, the HBCU thing is, it's a real thing right now, man. And some of the, some of these type top flight guys are going to go that, go that way. I think the guys we're still looking at are not going to choose that route just because, you know, the, the exposure you get at Duke is it's just, it's too great. And I think that also goes for the, for the G league type of thing. If there's guys that are really seriously considering Duke or the G league, I think Duke's going to end up winning out. However, man, it's just the, the landscape is changing primarily because no one knows if there's even going to be basketball this year. Is that going to affect whether guys go to the draft or not? You think it has to with certain, especially certain positions. You think it has to affect certain guys like a Jalen Johnson. He's, he's draft proof, but someone like Jeremy Roach or DJ Stewart, they might be around if it's a shortened season or no season at all. So that's going to affect some of these guys like Keels, like Christie, some of the other guys we're considering. And, and, and you got to think that that's, that's one of those things that's coming into play right now with this tra- this class not being, not, not matriculating in the way we thought no summer visits, none of the above. So like you mentioned, Christie, Christie was somebody that was already, you know, it was, it was Duke and Michigan state. And then you had seen in the interviews where he had mentioned Duke backed off and he had backed off and some of those things, you know, Kennedy Chandler already had been, there had already been talk about he and, and Tennessee. So, you know, it, I'm not surprised by some of these happenings. I, I am, I'm very, you know, I, I'm optimistic about, what we have and what we will probably have though, like in, in terms of Patrick Baldwin, in terms of AJ Griffin, I know Baldwin hasn't committed yet. I, I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to take for him to not commit to Duke, but whatever it is, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, you know, he's, he is, he's the, the best shooter in the class, hands down. One of the best defenders in the class, hands down. He's, he's the best player in this class at the moment. And it's, it, it would be amazing to get the commitment of him. And then, and we already got Griffin who is, in my pick, the best player in this class. And then to have Caleb Houston jump up to this class and already jump to the seventh spot, I'm I'm a little skeptical of that ranking, but the dude can ball. Don't get me wrong. It's just I, I'm surprised that he jumped from the class he was in where he was like the – he was a top 15-ish type recruit to all of a sudden number seven in this what – is, what is truly a mega class, especially in his position at the wing spot. There, It's just – too many wings in this class to even just talk about. So it's it, to have a, a trio of those guys and then some po- probable returners, like quite honestly, like Jeremy Roach, he, you know, we all assume that people are one and done. It is, it's, it's how the, the landscape of the game is at the moment. But I, I really, I really do think Jeremy Roach is on the Trey Jones plan of two years. I do. And, and nothing has changed my mind on that, especially with what's happening right now with, with coronavirus and, and the possibility of, shortening or not having a basketball season this season so yeah I, I think Jeremy's going to be there and I think that's what's kind of affected us with Kennedy Chandler and in quite frankly some of the other combo or point guards in the 21 class which the 21 class is not big on point guards anyway so the only other guy we were talking to a little bit was Hunter Salas and I really wish we would go after that guy but if we're going to have Stewart and Roach around there's you know we're not going to get him it's just it is what we're not going to get him so we'll have to see how things play out We'll have to see how the landscape changes a little bit. But at the moment, it really looks like Baldwin, Houston, Griffin, and there will be room you know, 
all things considered, if if guys stay or whatever, there'd be room for one or two more guys. I'm hoping that we take a shot, a stab at Efton Reed. I'm hoping, still hoping we go out after Hunter Salas. I really hope that we still give, um, still give Harrison Ingram some love. We're talking to him right now, so we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, Chet Holmgren's out. I think Paolo Banchero. No matter what anybody says, I think that guy's going G League. And 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 Jabari Smith Jr. I think he's G League bound as well. That guy's an amazing talent. But you know, we'll we'll kind of see where this thing plays out. Well, I think you're right. So you know, normally I give you a hard time if you're wrong, but. <laughs> You know, just based on how everything's currently going, this is not surprising whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just look at the fact that kids are not able to take visits, you're taking a look at the fact that some of these guys that, you know, would like to be one and done are not going to have that chance to showcase themselves. So really, for Duke's uh, roster next year, the only one guaranteed of this freshman class to leave is Jalen Johnson. That's it. Yeah. You know, so all these other guys needed that Duke platform to mm-hmm. showcase what they have. And so it is going to be a little bit tougher um, for those guys to, you know, make that jump with with so much uncertainty out there. Do you believe so Jalen? Do you believe Jalen when he says, don't rush me if if we don't have a season, who knows what's going to happen? Like, do you believe him? Like, I'm like, uh, well, no. I, right. No. Like, why, like, I, I don't, I'm not mad at him. Believe me. I'm not no, mad I, at him. No, I appreciate I, it. But I, I'm just I, like, I, why I, do you, why even go with it? Like, uh, no, first of all, I think uh, I, I don't have a problem with that kind of stuff. I, you know, Jabari did the same thing. He did. I'm um, like, why even do it though, man? Uh, you know, I, I think that it, it's part like of, stick it to like, the NCAA and be like, no, I don't want to be no, here because you guys have stupid ass rules. It it all comes down to me, in my personal opinion. It all comes down to building your brand, and this it's is true. part of it's, this is t- part of building your brand. That you're the nice guy. That you're not just thinking ahead. You're not thinking past your current team. The, the commitment that you made, that you're putting everything into it, when we all know that you, you can still put everything into it and still not unpack your bags. Yeah, um, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. it. It's lip service. It is what it is. Um, but I, I, I do want to, do you believe, and, and one more question on the recruiting, mm-hmm. do you believe that we kind of distance ourselves uh, with heels as well just because you know, I have to imagine that Houston doesn't make the reclass happen if Duke is not heavily involved in, yeah. you know, saying we want this to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just always, we've talked about it before, always read the tea leaves when it comes to recruiting. It's not, it's, it's honestly not difficult. And no. you don't have, you don't have to have a hundred dollar subscription to any website to, to make it work out for yourself. Just look at what's happening. Like, we, we didn't talk to any point guards in this class at all, except for Kennedy Chandler. And Kennedy Chandler was looked at as a backup when we were talking to him. So that tells me Roach is staying. You know what I mean? Like, that's based right. on that only. Like, uh, but outside conversations, regardless, like, based on that alone, you can look at that and, and make a, a hypothesis that unless he has some spectacular season, he's staying. Same, the same thing goes with, with Keels. It's like his, his spot is going to be taken up with all these mega wings coming in. It, it you know it, it's it's just it's one of those things, man. Like Keels is a really really good player, and he deserves to go somewhere where he's going to be a showcase type guy. And he I've seen him play. He fits in Duke's system. It wouldn't be a problem. He's not a ball hog. People have said that about him. It, that's not the case. He's a really good kid, really good player, and he really loves Duke. 
this it's all the all the signs are there but it's like ultimately he's not going anywhere to be a backup like he he has an ego like he absolutely yeah. wants to go somewhere and be a, a showcase type of guy he sees virginia and villanova who are very two very similar systems not so much with the the blocker mover offense and what jay wright runs just the way that the wings get the 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 shots like the wings get the shots in those offenses not that duke doesn't but it's like you know it, it's easy to see why he'd want to go to one of those two schools or duke you know what i mean like it's not it's not a slight to either one no he'll get more he'll get more opportunities there mm-hmm. um so you're Absolutely, right especially so- especially if baldwin and, and keels are there plus if Stewart's there, if Wendell Moore is there, if Matt Hurt might still be there, you know what I mean? Like all those spots are spots that are, are taken up. He can't guarantee who's going to be there or not. Virginia and Villanova can kind of guarantee him spots a little easier, so he's going to pick one of those spots. Yeah, there's no there's there's no reason that uh, he has to try. If, if if he already knows where he's going to have minutes, mm-hmm. I, I can't fault him for that. But absolutely, absolutely. But, I do want to shift gears. I do want to talk about that point guard position. And that's what we're going to highlight in this podcast. The point guard position for the newcomers and the guys coming back. And we're going to do that for every position in our next few podcasts. And we're going to start at the top because it makes sense to follow that up mm-hmm. from, you know, just talking about what could have been with Kennedy Chandler. But we all, we all believe that, you know, if gone to my head, I, I think Roach does come back unless he just has an unbelievable season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, assuming that there is one, and you know, Roach is a phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, he's a, he's got a lot of great skills. He's going to fit in really well with this class. But even coming yep. back another year, how much better he would be for that team? Um, it would be kind of like Trey Jones on steroids. Right. Um, not to mention, he's have- not a great shooter yet. You yeah. got Jalen Johnson, who's gonna who's gonna run point guard almost from the four spot at times, like. It's just it's not set up for Jeremy to be a one and done guy. It's not. But I do want to ask. He's going to get the keys day one, correct? And... Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm not. I'm not sold on that either, especially with the lack of a summer, the lack of preparation. I don't know that he's going to get the keys right away. It, again, you don't bring in a guy like Jalen Johnson and then have a point guard dominate the ball, who's not Jalen okay. Johnson. Like you okay. know what I mean? Like I, I, I can see. I can see this being a very, a very share heavy offense where like Jeremy might only average like three assists a game, but you might look at him and be like, he was, he was a great floor leader. Cause he is, he's a great floor leader. He can communicate. He can tell guys where they need to be, but he's not going to be the one driving through the lane, dishing out the shooters and everything else like that. Like that's a lot of that's responsibility is going to fall on Jalen. Some of it's going to fall on Wendell. You know, it's so it's, this this is a this is going to be a pass heavy team. Like this team has some really good basketball IQs when it comes to finding guys and floor vision, and and so that's going to be a strength of the squad. So I, I don't see Jeremy being a dominant point guard this year, and that's why again why I don't see him being one and done. Do you see this as a similar situation? Just situation. I'm not talking about games. You sure. know there are some similarities to when Derek Thornton reclassed to come in. You know you had Grayson Allen that. You know, obviously commanded a lot. He had uh, Brandon Ingram, who was the, the star guy. Um, do you see a similar situation where we're not going to ask Jeremy Roach to, you know, do more than you're capable of? Right now, we're going to slowly groom you up to where we want you to be, knowing that next year, the year after, this is going to be your, your team to lead. 
Do you yeah. think there's a sim- any similarity there? I, I think so. I think I, very much so. And that's a lot of that is the player and a lot of it is situation dependent. Like like Derry Thornton reclassed. He was not ready to come into college and be a one and done type of guy, regardless of what Tank or his uncle thought. And, you know, they moved him out, whatever. We saw how that played. So it it's it's a very similar situation in terms of we're not we're not demanding all of that of you. Whereas like Trey, Trey was that squad with RJ and Zion. He was still like he was the lead dog like on the ball. Like RJ and he were like the two guys. And I think that might be a little more similar to this team because I think Jeremy will have the ball for for most situations. I think Jordan's going to have the ball for a lot of situations. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a this is a tough one. This might this honestly this might even look like when we had Quinn and Tyler as the point guards and then Jabari was bringing the ball up court. You know what I mean? Like it might look like that at times because that's that's really how this team is made up. Now, the difference between this squad and those squads is that we have a lot more talent surrounding those guys. Like you got a Matt Hurt, you got a Wendell Moore, you got a DJ Stewart. You got guys that are around those those cats that that can ball whereas with some of those other teams outside of like Rodney Hood, you know what I mean, and Brandon Ingram, we didn't really have anyone else outside of like the two or three guys that that could really go. And that this team, we have three or four guys that can go outside of those. So it's going to be easier for Jeremy, I think. I think it's going to be a lot easier for him because the staff did a really good job of building this particular team for this particular moment. Okay, so you mentioned the Quinn Cook, Tyler Thornton, Jabari here. I think that's a great comparison. So now let's talk about Jordan Goldwire. Let's play. So Jordan Goldwire, you know, we've all talked about on many podcasts the kind of the rise of of a guy that's just been an unsung hero, Mm -hmm. Uh, a guy that I expected absolutely nothing. He came from nothing, and now he has just kind of built up this uh, persona about him that he – I think there may be unrealistic expectations of – what Jordan Goldwire is going to bring. <laughs> right? I, I know, right? I really do. And, and I, I think that that's unfair. But, you know, if you look at where he was, I mean, in his first two years, he averaged about seven and a half minutes a game. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, he played 24 minutes a game and he started 15 of the games uh, of yep. the 31 that we played. So he shot 49% after, years, uh, after two years of, of shooting about 30. Uh, mm-hmm. His three-point percentages were abysmal. He got it to 35 last year. He averaged almost five yep. points a game, two and a half assists, and one and a half steals. Um, I certainly would be the first person to admit patting the chest hand up that <laughs> I didn't see, style. Yeah, I didn't see <laughs> this from, from Goldwire, but my personal opinion is if he gives us the, the same defensively, mm-hmm. um, if he can keep the guy in front of him a little better, but overall, same, same uh, ability defensively, Plus, the same numbers offensively, but also give us that vocal leadership because he will be looked at to yep. be the leader on the court. I don't think we need any more, you know, box scoring stats out of him. No, if we does, don't. If he, does, if he does the same exact thing as he did last year, just yeah. a little bit more vocal. You're right. No, we we don't need we don't need a big a big jump from him. We don't need a big leap from him. We don't need a new skill set from him. We need him to do exactly what he did last season. He was steady. He was consistent. You knew what you were getting out of him, and he was a dog on defense. We need that. That's what we need. We need we need a guy who's a veteran leader who can tell these young guys what they need to do, help them out, help Jeremy out up top. Those two up top can be a, a real problem for teams defensively if, if they can work together, and I think they can. 
So that's all we need, man. I don't, I don't need him to be a 40% three-point shooter. If he knocks down a couple shots here and there in games when we need him to, if he scores five points a game, that's great because I think everybody else on the team is going to score 10 points a game. So we're, we're going to have enough scoring. Defense is what we're going to need. And, and to keep our young bigs out of foul trouble, he's going to have to keep guys in front of him out front, he and Jeremy. And I, I think that's what he's going to bring to the table to us the most. And, and I can't wait to see it. What can he teach Jeremy? Um, obviously, Jeremy is the much higher rated player. Mm-hmm. He's the guy they looked at to, to be, you know, a potential type of one and done where there, there was never a potential for anything other than hopefully I can get uh, a, a way for me to work myself into the rotation from Jordan. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship going to be like there from, you know, the freshman to the senior, but hey, I'm really talented. You're the workhorse. What, what's going to be the relationship there? It's it's going to be those little things like reading game film, how to scout guys, how how to how to play passing lanes, how to play the, the the Duke style of defense because the Duke style of man defense is a little different from what he played in high school and he even played some zone in high school at, at Paul the Six. So it's it's he's going to see some subtle differences there that he's going to have to Jeremy's going to have to take care of, especially especially with no again I keep harping on it it's it's becoming cliche for me to say it but no summer with no summer. Jordan is like Jeremy should stick close to Jordan and learn learn what it is to be a college basketball player because Jordan has done it and he and he is a he's an absolutely great resource regardless of talent level he's a, a fantastic resource for how do you do this thing man and and he's he's played it out I, I hope he wins the belt this year like I, all those things like it, he's gonna be a great resource to Jeremy though yeah he certainly is and I, I hope that to be the case I hope that they can get on uh, the campus soon enough. Um, so that these guys can start bonding together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see all these workout videos that mm-hmm. all of them are doing individually, Jordan included. Mm-hmm. Um, they're working at their at their homes, but uh, you know, chemistry is so important, especially in college hoops, that you, you want to get all these guys, especially the newcomers, on campus at least working themselves together. Before we bring Andrew on, um, I wanted to ask you, gun to your head, I think you know whether it's Thanksgiving, I don't know. I, I think that January 1st, I think is when you're going to see the first college basketball game. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's going to be, because we've already seen, you know, we've already seen one conference, the Ivy League, say that there's not even going to be fall sports. Like they've already said no. Um, I, I agree with you. I think I think post, post New Year's when we'll see the season start up and, you know, hopefully – it, I, think, I think it'll be a shortened season. I think it'll be a conference-only season. And then you advance to the tournament because of that. And and we'll see kind of how things go after that, man. All right. So with that, let's bring on Andrew Danowitz, who has been with us before uh, of Duke.MBB, the artist formerly known as Duke.Wave. Uh, Andrew is going into his sophomore year at Duke University. He's not really sure if he will be there in person or not the first semester, yeah. but uh, Andrew, how's uh, how's the summer going? Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me again. And uh, summer's been going pretty well so far. You know, not doing a whole lot outside or with others, but just trying to stay busy, uh, working wise. And uh, you know, and so today actually, I'm bringing on my uh, my buddy Jack, who's been helping me for a while. Yeah. Um... 
What's up? I'm Jack. Uh, not really super much to say. I'm going to be a junior at Dickinson College, but I've been a Duke fan my entire life. Nice. My dad was Duke class of 89. Um, nice. Go Devils. Welcome. Back. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, a good year to graduate right before the He kind of laid the foundation. Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, him and Danny Ferry. So um, we're happy to have you guys on. Obviously, a couple of diehard uh, Duke basketball fans, which is what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to ask you guys, and I'm going to start with the positive. Um, you both are a couple of youngsters compared to, to AC and I. Jack, I'm going to start with you. What was your favorite Duke national championship team? Uh, that one's really easy for me. I was at the 2010 Final Four. Oh, nice. uh, that championship game was an incredible thrill. Yeah. Don't ask right. me why, but Brian Zubek is my favorite Duke player ever. Hey, man. <laughs> like, it's not about talent, man. It's about favorite, man. Yeah, you know, you know. So seeing him and that whole team uh, just get to play, that's the first team, the first that senior class, that 2006 mm-hmm. recruiting class through 2010. That class is the first class I can like remember the entirety of their college careers from freshman to senior. So I guess I mean that team no, is really special man. to me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. You you suffered through the policy as just like us, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> first years I can remember. I mean that 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 actually shows that you know you always get these people that talk about oh why are you a Duke fan? You know you you, you grew up when they were winning national championships. You just said you're growing up in the college era. That 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 shows that, and you stuck with True. it. That 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 shows that uh, that you're a real fan. But yeah. it's funny. Uh, I was at that same uh, Final Four, and I don't know how you felt, uh, but I couldn't enjoy a single minute of that national championship game. It was just too, it was just too intense. Oh, I was getting harassed because you know it was in Indianapolis and against right. Butler. So like we, yeah. I was wearing a literally a full Duke uniform. Uh, <laughs> I was wearing it all day. I was super excited, like showing everyone, like "Go Duke, Go Duke," and everyone, like these grown adults, are harassing me for wearing Duke stuff. Right, right. I'm ten years old. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I remember I was so anxious and wanted to try to get my mind off of it uh, during Zubek's free throws. I remember asking my uncle what he thought of a big trade that had been made that day in the NFL because I wanted to get my mind off the fact that there was a legitimate chance <laughs> we lose the game. I think it was Donovan McNabb getting traded from Philadelphia right, to right. Washington. Something like that. That happened that day. And I just, I was like, hey, what do you think of this? And I just got told, Jack, not now. <laughs> that was yeah, a very I, intense game. I'll say that much. <laughs> what, I'll let you off with this one. Um, Coach K asked Brian Zubek, who I can't believe made the first one. Uh, to, to, he asked him to miss the second one. Mm-hmm. When you finally heard that, what, what was going through your mind? Were you like, that sounds like a great idea, or what the hell is he thinking? Mix of the two. At first, when I realized he missed it on purpose, I mean, I'm not going to. I was sitting about even with the uh, free throw line on Duke's side of the court for that, um, for the second half. So I could see he pretty clearly was not trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. at the same time, like, at the time, I'm like, yeah, there's like, what, two seconds left? Yeah. There's a little more than that. But like, I can see why he wouldn't want to make it. So that Brad Stevens can't set up a half court set. But then mm-hmm. obviously in the moment, I did not think that he was going to go in at all, but looking back at it, um, looking back at like replays, I can kind of say what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> there have been other moments right, right. that have been similarly coached by Kay that I've been, what the hell is he thinking? So I feel like, 
obviously, I mean, it turned out well, but it completely depends on the the outcome of that heave. What the hell was he thinking? Is probably sure, the more sure. likely thing. That's and that's a tough one because I was I was watching that I was watching that game in a bar and the, my first thought was I wonder if he's gonna miss the second one after he makes the first one like because and and then in your mind you think perfect scenario you think oh the ball's gonna go up it's gonna get tipped around a little bit like you you don't think it's gonna be just a clean rebound and run up the court you know what I mean like you think it's 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 gonna be one of those situations where it's it's not gonna be a a, a good look for them and and you don't want another you know grand hill leitner type of situation on their end so it's like yeah I'm, I'm i was all with it man and i i still i to this day i'm still like i don't think it was the worst decision ever it's just it just came off the, the exact wrong way and was just perfect for them to get that half court shot but a half court shot's a half court shot like that was as close right. as you could get to making that shot and oh, yeah, and yeah. matt howard that was an offensive foul come on man yeah i was about to say he wiped him out <laughs> <laughs> come on man um, all right, so yeah, I completely agree. All right, Andrew, I think I know what you're going to say, but give us your yeah. your, your favorite team. My favorite, favorite championship, uh, team. championship team. Well, unfortunately, we're a little limited here, but um, <laughs> so it's easy for me. It's the 2015 team, okay, solely yeah. because that was like the second or third year I would say I can really like remember being a huge Duke basketball fan. Sure, and, sure. Like, truly watching like every game just getting like totally upset when they would lose a game stuff mm-hmm. like that so um and just I, I watched I think every game for that 2015 team and it was just such a special team I, I was the biggest Okafor fan at the time and yeah I loved just the way that Quinn Cook led that team and just every part of that team was different but they all played a great role and that the 2015 game was not quite as exciting as 2010, but it's still it's up there. So it's definitely up there, uh, no doubt about yeah, that. that. I, I I was lucky enough to be at that one too, and I'll tell you what, um, you know that first half, I felt like we didn't play our best, and you know I felt like okay, we didn't give it our best, uh, you know, in that first half. We're gonna come back out. We're mm-hmm. gonna play better, and then we got punched in the mouth in that second half. Yeah. So I was like, oh shit, this isn't going well. And then your boy Grayson Allen happens and yeah. the rest is history. That was that was the yeah. least expected moment in the tournament with I think was Grayson Allen doing what he did. And, and we saw what he did against Michigan State, but you you don't expect a kid like that who comes in yeah. essentially eight games before the championship and suddenly finds a rotation. Like I was I was still pissed that Suleiman was gone. Like that dude I I loved Rashid Suleiman, man. Like whatever happened, none of my I business or whatever. Good. But it, like I, I've heard people yeah. say that Su- Suleiman leaving is the reason we won that title. I don't yeah. I don't agree with oh, that. I, think that's I, I totally yeah. agree with you. I think I don't I don't think there's any way you could say that we would have lost if he was on the team. Yeah, no, 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 no. I like I could I could almost make that case for Gerald Henderson with the 0-9-10 team. I can't make that case for Rashid Suleiman. Like that that dude fit that squad so well, and he was just such a a likable guy. The team loved him, like, and he brought a skill set that we needed. You know what I mean? Like, we I, I don't think Grayson has his moment if it's for Rasheed because I think Rasheed would have been in that game dominating because that that dude was so good. Yeah, he was totally. he, his handle, man. He was so good, man. God, I wish I, he could uh, play out. I also back to the Allen point. I remember like during that game when Coach K put him in, I was like what is like right when he put him in, I was kind of just like, why, what is going on? Like this game is over. And then after he made the, his first shot, I was like, oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. 
There's hope. Yeah, yeah. The dive, the dive out of bounds for the loose ball, and then the first, the first layup. It was dive, the end one layup, three pointer. It was just a heroic performance. It was on, man. I I can't believe his head didn't explode after that and one where he just absolutely. (laughs) You You gotta calm down. You gotta make a free throw here. But uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Julio Okafor uh, being your favorite guy on that team. Is it possible to say that he's actually been underrated since that since that game when looking back on his career? Oh, looking back on his career, um, that's a fair point. I mean, I always see the debate between like I know we Jack and I have a lot of posts just like regarding like top centers and stuff or. We did like an all-decade team, and we had Bagley mm-hmm. on there instead mm-hmm. of before, which it, it was close. Like we almost right. put him before, but I mean, like I don't think he he didn't have a great game in the national championship, and honestly, um, statistically, think- Bag- Bagley was better. Yeah, he was. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's so I don't know, like. Define underrated, like. So I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head for me. And he didn't have his best game in the national championship game, and that yeah. to me, for some reason it overshadows everything else that he did. I agree. He was the ACC Player of the Year, uh, ACC Freshman of the Year. Hmm. He was the first guy to ever do it, even though Jabari should have done it the year before, uh, and got robbed. But I digress. Uh, but you know he. Uh, was he was the focal point of that national championship team. Everything went through him. If you ask any of the players that played on that team, they don't hesitate. Ja was option number one and mm-hmm. option number two. He was the guy that they went to. He's the guy that drew the, the, the double and the triple teams. And one final thing, we don't win that game against Wisconsin without the rebound and N1 that he had with yep. Kaminsky wrapped all over him. People forget right, that play because yeah. they remember the time it's shown three. You think we don't win without that? I may have I may have stretched it too far there, but I do think it was a huge <laughs> play that doesn't that doesn't get remembered enough. I, I agree. It is a play that doesn't get remembered much. I, I think it's a bit of a stretch to say we don't win without it. Yes, but... yes. I love I, – I want to have you on all the time, Andrew, because I love when somebody can call DK on his hyperbole sometimes because he gets me all the time. So when he, when it happens to him, I love it's it. Thank you. It's, it's, it's entertainment values. Entertainment yes. values. <laughs> yes. No, uh, I, I think uh, I, I think Jaleel was in here, – here's some hyperbole for you. I, I think he's the most – offensively skilled player we've had in the post like not center because Christian Layton is the most offensively skilled center we've ever had but mm-hmm. I think in the post on the block nobody's been better than Jaleel Okafor that's a good point yeah I don't really think that's a question yeah. yeah yeah another yeah, thing with Ja sorry Brand, Brand, I think Brand's a close second yeah 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 because yeah, Brand, Brand did a lot with being undersized he did a lot with being six eight but he was yeah. he was so much stronger than guys he was so he was kind of like boozer he was able to to kind of strong man his way yeah, with, with some skill don't get me wrong but strong man his way into shots yeah jaleel's footwork and, and his hands and everything was just it was unbelievable what he could do yeah jaw definitely had good fundamentals another thing with him that's always interested me with the like people kind of sleeping on him relative to his duke career is the whole how his NBA career kind of didn't really pan out as well as it could have. I mean, I'm a Sixers fan, so I, I saw a right. lot of Okafor. And he still rookie. averaged almost 20 points a game as a rookie. Like, yeah. People hate him. Yeah. People just like Nerlens more than him here. 
Right, right, right. I don't, I don't know why. But... It's the defense thing. I think for Duke fans even, like Duke fans go nuts about these guys don't play defense. And they say the same thing about Bagley. It's like, man, just shut up. Like, like great offense is always better than great defense. Always. Because offense is what causes the action. Like, so I get defense and I understand the importance of it. But at the same time, give me the best offensive player ever over the best defensive player ever. Give me, give me Jordan over Bill Russell all day long. You know what I mean? Like it's stuff like that. I mean, I, I got to agree with you. I'm sorry. Uh, just like, do you want Goldwire on the floor this with the, uh, this past year? Do you want like Goldwire next to Trey at the end of the game? Or do you want like Cassius or Wendell Moore? Yeah. Right. I mean, right. I, it's I, tough. I agree. And yeah. I, I, I said that, you know, we just finished a segment talking about Goldwire, and God love him. Um, but you're absolutely right. At, at, you know, key times uh, this past season, you know, mm-hmm. we needed our best players out there. Mm-hmm. And while we love what he gave us, that was not what we needed at that time. You know, he's yeah. a good energy guy, good you know defensive guy. But yeah, you got to have your best playmakers out there, right. and that was Cassius, Lundell, and Trey. Absolutely. At the end of games, at the end of games, you're it's it's not it's it's not coming down the stops it's coming down to who can get the best shot and the best opportunity of offense we saw it with kansas with how malik newman was torching us on defense no matter who we put on that kid he was gonna score mm-hmm. so we needed to match the scoring and then we didn't get the ball to bagley it's like come on man like it's, it's yeah. stuff like that man well that that's a good segue into the second question i'm gonna ask you guys and jack we'll, we'll start with you uh, of all the duke teams that you you know grew up watching um so it sounds like you know 06 on which one gave you the most disappointment that, that they didn't finish it off? That's a tough, like, I remember around 05, 06 was probably the first season I can, like, clearly vividly remember, Reddick's senior year. Um, yeah, I, I cried. That team was really good. The, tw- this, the team this past, uh, not this past year, 2019 team was insane. Yep. Yeah. Um, honestly, there's really not. 2011, I think that team could have gone undefeated if Kyrie didn't break his foot. I mean, I think of all the teams in Duke history, I think it's 1999. But yeah, yeah, just yeah. like in my memory, it's either 06, 2011, or 2019. Okay. Andrew, do you have a definitive one? Um, I mean, I know I wasn't alive to watch it, but I think just based on everything I've heard and read, it has to be 99. Yeah. They lost literally one game the whole year. I think they had four lottery picks. That's correct. And they were undefeated in ACC play. Like, I just feel like maybe not – I think 2019 is probably more talented, but just, like, as a team as a whole, I feel like it has to be 99. Yeah. 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 I'm glad that you don't remember that game. Um, (laughs) That was awful. It was terrible. It was horrible. horrible. (laughs) I was a a sophomore in high school, and uh, having to go to – school the next day i lived in i lived in maryland i grew up in maryland uh and maryland fans were just as bad as carolina fans where they rooted for they rooted for duke to lose more than their own team to win yeah and so having to having to face that after a team i mean it's probably similar to those kentucky fans that they were 38 and 0 and then unfortunately for them I'm, i'm i'm okay with it uh but yeah it was it was very similar like that team should have never lost Yep. Uh, and UConn was great that year. It was one two all year long, but that two team should have never lost. Yeah, no, nah, that that big score was so much better than that UConn team. That was that was that was a weird game to watch. It was a weird thing to happen. 
I, I know uh, I know we have some older listeners, so I know they're going to want to hear us say, not they didn't want to hear us say, but the 86 squad for them not to win it all with how they kind of set things up for K, that sucks. Yeah. I, I think uh, 94 was rough for me uh, in, in particular because that was coming off of the back-to-back years and then the, the kind of the showing we had in 93 against Cal and then to, to come back with Grant Hill basically being like the only thing on that team. And for them to make it all the way to the championship game against a really, really tough Arkansas squad, that was, and then to be a shot away, like that was, that was rough. But for me, you know, with you guys, uh, you know, last year with Zion, uh, with RJ, with Cam. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It's right, it's right up there. How did you guys feel? Uh, <sighs> I mean, because I, I remember how I felt. It was just like yeah. def- it was so deflating. It didn't feel the same as 99. It felt different. It was just like, I was just bewildered. Yeah, I was actually at that game. um, And I could not leave my seat for like 15 minutes. I was just sitting there like with my head down. And I just was so shocked and sad. Like, I I didn't think there's any way that team was going to lose. I think that one sucks too because all year long – so many people were dogging that team about the shooting and it wasn't even the shooting that cost that game. Yeah. It's just, yeah. they dogged that team so much about shooting. It's like, see, I told you the team that can't shoot can't win. It's like, dude, shut up, man. Like they had RJ and Zion. Like those two, those are two of the best players we've ever had at Duke. And it sucks that we couldn't at least at the very least make it to a final four with that spot at the very least, man. Agreed. Yeah, we should have. That was, that game hurt. I'm not going to front. I was, I almost went because uh, Dickinson is maybe an hour and a half from DC. Yeah, yeah. I the day of, I was like, I'm gonna go get tickets, and then like the last minute, I decided I wasn't going mm-hmm. to. I wanted to stay at school, so I watched yeah. the game in, in uh, my dorm's common room, and I'm just sitting there. I I was the same as Andrew. I was just in absolute shock. Well, Didn't don't, get don't, up. Uh, Twenty minutes or yeah, so. Don't- don't feel bad. Uh, you made the right move not coming down. I went, uh, obviously, we, we, we live outside D.C., so I went down mm-hmm. there, uh, went to scalp tickets, got burned. Uh, so it cost me $250 to uh, go to a bar and watch our team lose. Uh, mm-hmm. So that uh, that was a tough Sunday, and I believe I called out of work uh, on Monday for that one. <laughs> right, um, Rightfully so, man. I mean, and, that, and- that, was, that was painful. And there was no better moment. Like the thing that, like the thing that hurts about UConn is like there was not really any retribution after those two. But I don't know the the thing about the the Michigan State thing that felt great was when Trey was surfboarding on on uh, on my man when we went to East Lansing. That that kind of helped. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that helped a little bit. Yeah, put a little band aid on it. You know what I mean? It was nice, but like yeah, March Madness regular season game. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's not. It's not comparable. It's I know, not comparable. I know what you're saying, but like it never it never fully makes yeah. up for it. Yeah, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. Plus, plus, you know, Trey didn't have that opportunity to to have his moment, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know how you guys felt. Tell me how you felt uh, before um, everything got shut down. Did you guys honestly think that this was a team that was worthy of getting to a Final Four national championship, especially with the, the landscape of college troops this year? It was wide open. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was certainly feasible. I thought Duke was at the very least going to be another Elite Eight squad, third year in a row there. I honestly thought we were Final Four national championship contender. There's so much parity. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no clear-cut number one team. Like, Kansas was number one for most of the season, and, I mean, we beat them first game of the year. Right. Um, 
and they didn't get much better. That's the other part of it. Like we were having this talk before we got on just about how, you know, things, things that hurt and games that hurt and all that, like Kansas didn't get much better throughout the rest of the season. Whereas Duke kind of almost totally changed with, with the introduction to Justin Robinson into the lineup. Oh, certainly. I think J-Rob, I'm not like, I'm not going to lie that game, that last Carolina game. I thought <laughs> J-Rob was going to be. I feel bad for him too. Man. I feel awful for him. Yeah. I thought he was going to be like our X factor. He was going to be our like Grayson Allen from the 2015 run, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except, you know, it's his last year. So there's nothing he can do afterward, but he was going to be that X factor off the bench that nobody expected. I almost felt it was kind of like a setup by Kay. Like the entire year, he's setting everybody up and then raising yeah. a super weapon that we didn't expect to have. And nobody else certainly did that was scouting us. And then all of a sudden, we bring this 610 shot blocking machine that can nail three from the outside. Yeah. I mean, I, come on. I actually have a funny story from uh, the night before the game. Uh, so, Coach Kay like, meets with all of the Duke students and like talks to you and like you can ask questions if mm-hmm. you talk to it and stuff. And so I remember someone asked about Justin Robinson, and Coach K was just like, he's good, man. Who the <laughs> hell would have thought that? That's funny. Because it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, I, I know we've been, t- we've been talking about it on the podcast since his sophomore season, essentially, when he came in kind of in spot duty with that Bagley squad to help out because there's some injuries. And he, he kind of he balled out against Pittsburgh, and yeah. you just kind of see it, man. And you could see he was just more than your regular average walk on, and it just sucked that he never got a chance. And then all of a sudden, it was like this. It's like it's like it's like TK was saying. It's like he was meant for this one moment, and and that's what that's what kills me. Like those those other teams, we saw them. They played. They had their chance. They lost. It. This one hurts a lot because this team didn't even get a shot to show what they could have possibly. Like Cash just didn't get a chance to. You know what kind of tournament could he have had with his athleticism and everything else? He was kind of coming into his own at the end of the season. What kind of tournament would he have had? Vernon was just so steady all season. Yeah. Nobody can guard Vernon Carey. Like Trey was, he was doing his Trey thing, man. And then you got a guy like Justin Robinson. We had enough. We had enough for a national I championship. Yeah, I think uh, the floor at least would have been the elite eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say that also with like upsets and stuff. But sure, sure. But I do like that. And that's the thing with the tournament. And that's why we talk with fans all the time. It's like, it's hard to just say, like, this team is a failure because they didn't do this. People call the 18-19 team such a failure. It's like, dude, it's a one-game tournament, man. Like, you you give that 18-19 team a seven-game series against almost any team in college basketball history, and, and they're going to come out on top. Like, it, it's it was a one-game off, man. Like you know, we, were, we were up in that game with 30 seconds left. Like, people act like we got blown out of the gym. Right. Um, whatever. All right. I, I'm going to let you guys get out of here. Um, this was awesome discussion. We're going to have you guys on again, I hope. Absolutely. Um, real quick, Andrew, I asked you yesterday offline, give me a percentage chance that you will see Duke's campus before January 1st. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually supposed to be going back next week for uh, football. I'm uh, helping out with the social media stuff there, but like I I just don't know if it's gonna happen. So I'll know by next week. Well, hey, keep us posted. Appreciate both coming on, yeah. and um, best of luck with the uh, Duke dot NBB site on Instagram. Everybody go check it out. Best uh, Duke fan page uh, out there on Instagram. 
Yep. Thank you guys for having us again. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Well, now I'm all fired up talking about Zion, talking about RJ. Perfect segue uh, after talking to those guys to finish this up. We actually do have some live basketball coming up. Uh, we the haven't NBA, had, it, had it today. The NBA bubble. The NBA bubble. I don't even know what the hell that is. Uh, everybody's in the same resort. AC, real quick, how many times have you called the NBA snitch line? None, none. But man, that thing is great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the that's the one thing that I've taken. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I mean that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, somebody called the NBA snitch line on your boy Dwight Howard. Um, right. So uh, the NBA bubble, apparently they're going to start, and I say apparently because I still don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they're going to do an eight game uh, end of season kind of play in scenario, um, starting on the thirtieth. And 31st, respectively, depending on on you know what teams are there, and then they're going to do like a one game kind of play-in scenario for the eight seed. Yep. Let's talk about the Duke guys. Unfortunately, Justice Winslow just got hurt and he's out. Uh, same with Marvin Bagley and Zion left for uh, for family and personal reasons. Not sure what that is. Um, don't want to speculate, obviously. Uh, the Pelicans did say that he's getting uh, tested every single day for COVID and all tests have been coming back negative. So hopefully that'll expedite his uh, return when he does get back and won't have to be quarantined as long. But again, who the hell knows? I feel like this whole thing was set up so that Zion would be in the playoffs. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, conspiracy what, theory, man. Hey, man, I don't know how big of a conspiracy no, it's, 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 Why I mean, would you not? Why, right. why would you even risk it? Why would you not want him? You're restarting like everything's been shut down you need eyeballs like obviously like why would you not set it up for zion to be playing you know what i mean like of course you want zion playing like i hope i hope it's blatantly obvious that the next 15 years of his career that it's rigged to where teams are 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 fouling out and it's blatant cheating that makes sure he gets in the finals you know what i mean like just like lebron like it, i i hope so uh he's earned it <laughs> uh as far as i'm concerned i mean you saw yeah. the 22 games that he played he's Probably the greatest NBA rookie of all time. There's nobody uh, more entertaining in the lead outside of LeBron no, than than Zion Williamson. Yeah, there there actually isn't. Um, all right. So what do we expect out of the bubble here, man? I mean, do you expect LeBron uh, and the Clippers still to be in whatever the quote unquote Western Conference Finals is? I mean, is that still like the the one matchup, and whoever wins that is going to face Giannis, or you know, is Tatum going to make a role with the Celtics? Tell us what's going to happen in the bubble. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either, man. I think you have to assume it's gonna be it's gonna be Giannis and LeBron in, yeah. in the final. I, I I think you just have to assume that. And you know the Clippers. It could be the Clippers. It could be the Rockets. Like it, it, they they have a squad. Who knows how they're how they're gonna work together now coming back? You know, I I don't know. Like Harden Harden doesn't perform in the postseason, but this isn't really the postseason so maybe he's gonna be all right you know what i mean like i don't know so if, if he if he makes it feel like he's summer league to him yeah yeah maybe yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be a little less stressful for him <laughs> but um but yeah i think ultimately it for the for the good of the league i think it has to be lebron and Giannis at the end and and both and both those teams are exceptional teams it's not like neither one deserves to not be there so but like you said man the celtics are they're they're right there man and and tatum is he is a bona fide star, and he is he is a a top guy in the making. Like he is a top two or three player in the league in the making. Like he's he's a couple years away from that. And yeah, 
he's already he's already a guy that's ascended himself into a top 10 15 player in the league yeah yeah easily. Uh, and he's and he's 21 you know 22 years old so he's amazing um, man he's he takes, unreal he takes the hardest shots i've ever seen and just makes it look like he's supposed to make it like like what like come on like if he could get some easier shots he might even be better like you know what i mean like Hey, he did, know, he, did, he, he did all that work with the Mamba, uh, and he's, mm-hmm. he's he's showing that it's proven, proven to pay off. I'm not going to ask you to pick a uh, a winner yet because we're going to have another podcast beforehand. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll get you out on this. What Duke player are you most looking forward to coming back? Is it Tatum? Is it Ingram? Is it your main man, J.J. Reddick? Who, who is it that you are most looking forward to from a Duke standpoint coming back into the bubble? Like if if Zion's playing, like I I I'm a I'm a Zion Mark man. Like I I'm I'm a fan. Like it is like I can't. It, it's undeniable. Like he is so entertaining. For, so from the entertainment standpoint, it's it's got to be Zion. But it, it, very close second is Jason Tatum. Like Tatum is what what he's doing and what he's he's able to do on the floor. It's just I I can't stop watching, man. Like I I find myself tuning out sometimes during the regular season and. Up until the season got cut short this year, I was watching. I'm not a Celtics fan. I'm a Knicks fan, and it, it hurts my soul to do it. But I was watching Celtics games on the regular just to see what that dude was going to do next. It, it's just, it's he's really, really fun to watch because of how he plays the game, man. Well, I'm going to root for uh, for him. I'm going to root for the Pelicans. So many Duke players there on mm-hmm. Duke South. AC, this was fun. It was, it was good to get back oh, yeah. in the channel. It's going to be fun to watch some actual live hoops coming up here. We yep. even got exhibition games already on. Yep. So, hey, we're gonna get back, yeah, we're going to get back. We're going to get back in, into the swing of things here, and um, you know, yep. bring more content. I think we're ready to roll. It's the heat we, wave, but we're, we're we're just heating up. We're heating up, man. Heat heat dot wave, right? <laughs> there we go. All right, go do. <laughs> go do. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!